Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. We've been speaking a kind of a mini-series on the importance of you. I want you to turn to someone right now, look them right in the eye and say, you are incredibly important. Because you are. And so we've been speaking on the importance of you and I've spoken about family, that we are family. Last Sunday, the unchangeable laws of you. Today, I want to speak to you about dealing with you. In every relationship, the good ones and the not so good ones, there is this one commonality and that is you. You're the only thing that's common to every relationship you have. And that's important to understand because whilst I can't change anyone else, I can't make a difference and get anybody else to adjust as I'd like them to. And how many people would lift up their hand or acknowledge and say, you know what, I've tried to change somebody else. It's like the old marriage joke about at every wedding, there's an aisle, there's an altar and there's a hymn. And the joke is I'll alter him. But it doesn't work. Uh, It really doesn't happen, does it? You can't change someone else, but I can be a part of changing me. And I want to give you this morning one of the great promises of Jesus that I'm sure every one of you really are going to reach up and grab and say, Pastor Jeff, I'm really going to believe for that in my life. Are you ready? It's Luke 17 verse 1. Luke 17, verse 1, Jesus is speaking, so we know that it's truth. Then He said to the disciples, it is impossible. It is impossible that no offences will come. Isn't that a great promise? Isn't that exciting to know that no matter who you are, no matter what your life is like, you are going to have offences Come your way. Somebody, somewhere is going to say something, do something, forget something. They're going to let you know in some way or other that they're not happy with you. And Jesus said, it's impossible that you can dodge that. Somehow or other, offences are going to come to your life. It's amazing how many times in Scripture, Jesus spoke about conflict in relationships. Contrary to what most people think, Jesus spent a lot of time talking about you and I and how we do life on planet Earth. And a lot of what He spoke about was about how we do relationships with one another. The Lord's Prayer that we get taught starts off so beautifully. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's so beautiful. Forgive us our trespasses. But then he adds on the real kind of stinger in the tail and says, as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's like even in that prayer, Jesus lets us know, hello, you are going to encounter difficulties in relationships. Now, just let me check that I'm in the real world with real people. How many people here say, I've never had a problem. I get along with everybody famously. I like everyone. Everyone likes me. 
Yeah, because if you lift your hand for that, we have prayer later on to just deal with that delusion in your life because I'm pretty sure you're deluded. It's almost as though God understands. Listen, God made us, but He understands the flawed nature of us. I often say to people, it didn't take long after sin entered the world for families to get dysfunctional. So Cain rises up and kills his own brother. Hello, there's only four of them. It's not like, you know, he had to search over the earth to find someone to have conflict with. It was right there in the home. And sometimes the greatest conflicts, well, almost always, the greatest conflicts are not with strangers, they're with the people closest to me. And so I wanna talk to you today about how to deal with you, not with them. How to deal with you in the middle of all this. Jesus understands that it's conflict in our relationships that so often trips us up and can cause us to lose ground and spiritual momentum. Now, before we get into the right ways, I want to just show you some of the ways that we as humans have developed dealing with conflict. Are you all there? First of all, This is one way people deal with conflict. They come out, got to put it on the right hand. Just pretend it's on my hand, it's a bit too small, I think. But anyhow, have you ever dealt with somebody who their first instinct is to come out swinging? Now don't point at them, that's rude. But just think about them for a minute. You ever met someone or maybe that's your preferred method? It's I've met people like that who are just on the attack. That's the way they deal with conflict in their life. Have you ever met someone who does this? And I wish I could put these on. But somehow or other, I've never met a... Is there a, a ballet dancer size 13? No, there isn't. I didn't, I didn't kind of think. Can you imagine someone having to lift me up and... and can you imagine me doing a, a pas de deux? And I don't even know what that is, except that it's a ballet thing. And, but, you know, you ever met, I've met people like this. That's the way they deal with conflict, is they dance around it. Oops, drop one. They're like really hard in the toe, aren't they, huh? So you can stand up on them. It says here, Blaine. C Pro Special. Made in England. It's got to be good. Freed of London. I don't think I'd be freed if I wore these. I think I'd be bound. But uh, So that, here's another way people deal with conflict. For those of you that are listening on Sunshine, I've just put on a blindfold, one of the ones they give you on the planes. Problem? What problem? Just ignore it. Not just, you know, have you ever been part of, or some of you maybe, I hope you're not, part of a family where the way they deal with conflict is everyone just pretends it's not even there. They just don't talk about it. One that's like that is this, the shovel. We take every conflict and we take it out the backyard. We dig a big hole and we bury it. We just put it down there and then walk away. 
Some of us have got a backyard emotionally in our life where we've just buried all these conflicts and we just think, you know what? I'm finished with them. I've let them all go. Here's another one. And I've met again people like this. They've got their armour on and they're just built, they're like an emotional tortoise. They've just got on that hard carapace, that shell. And they're kind of just saying, you know what? No one's ever going to hurt me ever again. And they walk around, they do life armoured up. When it comes to conflict in their world, they're just going to put on every shield and they're going to protect themselves. The only problem with that one, of course, is nobody can ever get close enough to hug you because your armour is too, too strong to hold. Well, there's that one. Here's another one. This is number six. I've met people like this one as well. They hold up the mirror and every conflict is like, why me? What's the matter with me? What is it about me that I'm always dating the wrong one? That's better. I had it on magnified and I wondered why my... I was thinking, gee, knew you had a big head, but my goodness, that was ridiculous. That's better. Beautiful. Oh, yeah, much even better from a distance. But people like that, they, whatever conflict happens, they internalise it and it's their fault. Do you know, by the way, that the Scripture doesn't say that the Christian way of dealing with conflict is to become a doormat? I think it's Romans 12, about verse 16, I think. And it says this, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. Because there are some people that it's pretty difficult to live peaceably with. But however, a lot of people use the mirror technique. Here's the last one, number seven. This is the way some people deal with conflict. They file it away. Oh, I hear laughter in the building. And they pull out, they just go through and go, oh yeah. February 17, 2008. And just when you're in the midst of about to win the discussion, they slam the file down and tell you, remember that. And all Now, I know because I'm speaking to Christians. I just know no Christian in this building or a part of this service in Metro Church Online, I know none of you have any experience of any of those. None of you have got the boxing gloves, the armour, the ballet shoes, the blindfold, the filing cabinet, the mirror or the shovel. You just deal with it rightly and properly, don't you? I'm not sure which of these might be the way that your family upbringing dealt with conflict. But every single one of them, for a variety of reasons, is very flawed. And this morning, I want to take you to what Jesus says we ought to do and the way that we can have healthy conflict in our life and deal with it healthily, regardless of what the other person does. So let's go to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read a few verses, but I want to make sure that we don't just pick a verse out of the Bible. I want to make sure we get some 
context and understanding of what Jesus had to say because we live in such an enculturated worldview that oftentimes even Christians don't really understand what Jesus had to say about the way to do life well. So Matthew 5 verse 38, Jesus is speaking and He said, You have heard that it was said an eye for an eye, but a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let them have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Right there, let's just stop a minute. Because I kind of think that already some of you are going to tune out and start going, you know what? That is so uh, not PC. That's not 21st century. That's not good advice. Let's read on. Because there's some deep things in here. Jesus never said something because He wanted to toss out another cliche. He never said something because He was looking for pretty Christians. The Bible's not looking for pretty Christians. It's looking for strong ones. The Bible is not there to teach us how to live invisibly. Jesus said at the start, you are a city set on a hill. In other words, people are going to look at you. He said, you're the salt of the earth. You're what gives it flavour. So He's not trying to hide you, make you innocuous, some kind of vanish into the beige background of life kind of a person. He's looking for people that can stand out. But He wants us to do it in a way that at the end, I've just met way too many people who as they get older, don't get sweeter, they get sourer. I met way too many people whose relationships look like, you know, Terminator has come to live in their home. And there's just a, a slew of dead bodies lying around, you know, and all the damage that gets done into people's lives out of that. And I just believe that God's got something better for all of us than that. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Are you with me this morning? So come on, let's just read on. You've heard that it was said, you'll love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons. The purpose of this is not so that you can simply go on and, and sing Kumbaya and everything is beautiful. Some kind of, you know, romantic, you know, waves lapping on the beach kind of a deal. He's saying there's something in this about the way I do life with God. That you may be the sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. For He makes His sun rise on the evil and on the good. Sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren, those closest to you only, what do you do more than others? Don't even the tax collectors do that? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let's dig into this a minute because there's a few things here that Jesus is telling us in this passage that love does. If I could 
make one statement about love that I hope everybody will get and understand. It's this. Forget every pop song. Forget every beautiful poem and every lovely picture you've ever seen painted. Because I'll tell you what love does. For God so loved the world that He gave. The greatest expression and depiction of love that this universe has ever seen is not a beautiful rose or a lovely flower or a young couple in love or some other thing like that. It's a scarred and scourged Saviour hanging on a cross for something He never did and saying, even with His last breath, Father, forgive them. I don't know about you, but when I read that again, I get goosebumps thinking about the Saviour most cruelly tortured. And yet even with His last breath, He'll say, Father, forgive them. Don't hold this to them. If anybody could have said punish them, it was Him. So when we talk about love, we're not talking about something that only works in the movies. We're talking about something that I hope you'll take home to your home, to your workplace. I guarantee there's people a part of this service and there's somebody at work and they just get under your skin. You know, I've been enough around the world to see that it doesn't matter what your culture is. We're all pretty much the same. If there's one thing we struggle with, it's relationships. And if there's one thing we all want, it's relationships. Why are there so many reality shows about relationships? I don't even know why they even all are. I just know there's so many ads for them. You know, farmer wants a wife. Wife wants a farmer. <laughs> farmer wants a bigger farm. I don't know. Uh, all this kind of stuff. Bachelor, bachelorette. Used to be a bachelor. Was a bachelor. Married at first sight. Should have had a second look. My advice is don't marry at first or second sight. Maybe have a long, long look. It's okay to have fun, by the way. This is not that we weren't baptised in prune juice in this church. Amen. We weren't the kind of people to say, let's baptise them all in vinegar so they come out looking like all the other Christians. Sour and miserable. Amen. We are looking for that. Jesus said it's for the joy of God in our life. Jesus made jokes. Do you know that? He made a joke about Herod at one point. Tell that sly old fox it's a word joke in, uh, in the Aramaic. But anyway, I haven't got time for that. Here we go. Here's number one. And this is such a deep one that I, I won't have time to do it justice, but I'm going to touch on it. Love doesn't look for justice. It looks for mercy. I'll let that sink in a minute because we live in a world that's so primed for justice. But love doesn't look for justice. It looks for mercy. In 1999, after the Rwandan civil war and the Rwandan genocide, the Rwandan government set up a commission and I want you to listen to what they called it. By the way, I know there are people a part of this service who come from that country and have experienced this firsthand. But I love what the Rwandan government called it. They called it, get this, in a nation split apart 
by civil war and genocide, they called it the Unity and Reconciliation Commission. It's interesting that the UN decided not to call it that. The UN called it the Justice and Reconciliation Process. But here's the problem with justice, and I'm not against it. I believe God's a just God. But here's the problem with justice. Justice demands a verdict, and verdict demands a punishment. And love's not looking for who it can punish. Isn't it true when we get hurt, one of our first thoughts is, I hope they pay. Sometimes we'll even pray and say, oh God, wreak your vengeance upon them, oh Lord. Smite them in Jesus' name. Listen to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Let us come therefore boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain what? Mercy and find what? Grace to help in time of need. See, love is not looking to show you you're wrong. Love is looking for mercy. I believe mercy is one of the least abundant qualities in the earth today. In a world that's so riven apart by right and wrong and who's wrong and who's right. And yet love's not looking for that. It's looking for mercy. I'm not saying there's no justice or that we shouldn't want courts of law. We have people in this uh, church that serve in the courts and I'm grateful for them. But I know that there's a higher law when it comes to my relationships with others. Love doesn't look for justice, it looks for mercy. Here's the second thing I discover in this passage is that love doesn't wait to see what other people do. It initiates regardless of what they do. Love is not my response when you are nice. Let's all be honest here this morning. Anybody else here find that hard? One or two of us? Are you serious? I don't know when someone hurts me, I'm ticked off. I'm not happy. And I don't want them to suffer really badly, but a little bit wouldn't hurt. Come on. Love doesn't wait to see what other people do. It initiates. Here's the third thing. Offences are going to come, but I don't have to sign for the package. This week, I uh, went out the front door, heard the doorbell. Here's somebody with a uh, Star Tack or Star Trek, one of those vans, uh, delivering a parcel. But he won't give me the parcel till I sign for it. Well, actually, in this COVID-19 time, he said, who are you? And I told him who I was. He said, it's for Rhonda. And I go, well, I'm not Rhonda. And I said, do you want me to sign? He says, no, I'll sign it for you, but you have to see that I sign it. I go, whatever. <laughs> hey, listen, Jesus said offences are going to come, but don't pull your pen out and sign up for it. You know, we even have it in our English language. We talk about taking offence. Huh? 
Do you take everything that comes your way? I don't. I'm not taking that. I'm not having that. Do you go into a restaurant, sit down and say when the, the white person says, do you want to order something? I'll have whatever you want to give me. Who does that? No one does. We go in there and we have a look through and say, I want that. I'll take that. Thank you. Offences are going to come, but you don't have to sign for the package. Here's the next one. Love's a choice, not a feeling. Thank God for that. Because if love was a feeling, most of us are going to be absolutely, we're just going to be wrecked. But love's not a feeling. I don't, and I say that to say this, I don't have to feel beautiful. I don't have to feel if you do something that disappoints or hurts, I don't have to feel like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, I love you with the love of the Lord. Yes, I, I can actually feel like if I had Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, you're mincemeat. But thank God I don't have to feel it. Everywhere Jesus spoke about love, I can't find a verse where it talks about what you feel. It talks about what you do. For God so loved the world that He gave. Not for God so loved the world that He sang a song. For God so loved the world that He got all the angels to harmonise. Here's the last one. Love will keep your vision clear and your heart untroubled. Hebrews 12 verse 15 says it like this. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Not the justice of God, but the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. The word therefore trouble is a word from which we get our word for mob rule. In other words, it's where all logic goes out the window, all wisdom departs, and instead passions override. Because that's what a mob does. Lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause mob rule in your life. You're out of control. It's just going and no one can pull it up. And by this, not only you, but many others become defiled. Because the truth is the conflict that's dealt with wrongly is never just a problem for you. It's always a problem for others. You know, you can't catch COVID or any other disease unless somebody around you is got it. Isn't that right? That's why we have all this contact tracing and all the stuff that's over there. And it's all good. But it started somewhere. That's why they identify what they call patient zero. The one who started and somebody caught it. What are you spreading amongst the relationships in your world? Are you spreading wholeness? Don't worry about it. Now, don't say don't worry about it if you really need to, to address it. Because that's just simply getting the shovel and saying, I'll bury it later. That's putting the blindfold on and saying, I'm not just going to pretend it never happened. That's not the way to deal with it. 
Not put on the armor, but do what Jesus said. Bless, forgive, love instead. Amen. We could dig so far in all of this and it's so valuable for us. I love the fact that Jesus wants you and I to live lives where our relationships build something great in us. The Scripture says in Ecclesiastes that two are better than one. It's not talking about marriage. It's talking about humanity. It's not speaking about whether you have a soul mate or not. It's talking about how I do life with others. Two are better than one. The sad thing is for so many people long, long ago, the two became one and a half. One and a quarter, one and an eighth, until pretty much all they have is just one. The Bible says that'll never be enough for everything God wants to do. We're going to pray together right now. And I don't know what your life looks like, but I'm going to pray for relationships. And I'm going to pray that every one of us will do exactly what the Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. We'll come boldly to the throne of grace. There we will obtain mercy. How many people here can say, I need mercy today? I need mercy from God. I don't know about you, but I do. I need mercy from God. I need God to be merciful to me. And I'm going to go there and find grace. What's grace? Mercy is what says, you know, though you're flawed, though you're weak, I'm going to forgive that. I'm going to treat you as though that had never occurred. Grace is not the same. Grace is what God adds on to my forgiven soul. Grace is strength from Him that comes on top of that. I get mercy first. Then He says, you know what? Because you've come to me for mercy. I'm going to give you that. Now I'm going to give you grace, the strength to walk into your tomorrows. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this moment. I pray for families, for marriages, for workplace relationships, for our brothers and sisters, sibling relationships. I pray for community ones. I pray for people here that sit on boards where maybe there's conflict happening at the boardroom and they don't know how to solve it. Yet God, You want to give us wisdom for every relationship. Lord, we know that if we will deal with us right, if we'll get us right, so often the other takes care of itself. I pray You'll help them in Jesus' name. Help each one of us, Lord. Amen. Look this way in a minute, Pastor Bruce will be here and we'll continue on praying with people. And if you're in the building, you can leave if you want to leave or uh, if you'd like to stay and receive prayer, we have team that are ready to pray with you. I'm probably most excited in my life out of everything that ever happens. I'm always most excited about people that take the step to say yes to Jesus. Every single week, somebody somewhere as a part of Metro Church will say yes to Jesus and something supernatural happens. A new life begins. It's extraordinary. I've seen it happen so often that sometimes people have almost become unrecognisable as their former self. Such is the change. But it all began with a yes. You can simply text yes if you're in Australia to 488 if you're outside of Australia or if you'd like to get the help I want to send you, you can simply send it through to yes.metrochurch.org.au. And when you do that, we'll send you every day for 30 days or until you opt out if you choose to. Uh, we will send you a, 
scripture, a different one every day, and a prayer different every day that you can make yours as you start journeying with Jesus. I pray you'll do that. I've seen thousands of people do it. Never, ever had someone ever come back and say, you know, I wish I hadn't done it. Every single time they'd say to me, I'm so glad I said my yes to Jesus. Hey, thank you for being a part of Metro Church. Hope that you can continue with us in some way or other. In the meantime, I pray that your relationships, your connections will grow strong and well and healthy in every way. Just remember this, not everything's solved in one moment, one instant. If it takes a bit of time, go on the journey of loving people. I'm so glad Jesus told this to His disciples at the start of three and a half years. He had three and a half years to work it out. He'll work it out with you. God bless you. Thank you for that. Thank you. 